Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 69. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. And we do that by listening to the stories and taking the advice of some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals. I have a great show for you today, and I can't wait to hit play. Before I do, I just have to remind you to please connect with me on Twitter at Eric Cacciatore, E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E, and um, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I'm on LinkedIn, Google+. I'm out there. I want to find out what you think of the show, so please connect with me and um, let me know who you want to hear from, and I will do everything humanly possible to get them on the show. That's all I have, so enjoy today's episode. So, with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Chris Kozlowski, a.k.a. Chef Koz. How are you? Good. How are you today? I am terrific. Are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge that are going to make all of our restaurant dreams just a little bit more unstoppable? Absolutely. (laughs) I can't wait. So I'm just going to give a quick introduction, Chef, then I'm going to pass it over to you to further elaborate. Uh, Chef got his start cooking at a summer camp in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. He continued to work in the restaurant industry while studying business management uh, with a concentration in hospitality at Colby Sawyer College. After finishing at Colby Story College, Chef Cause studied at the Culinary Institute of America, where he, uh, where his hard work earned him the Distinguished Service Award. Chef Cause is no dummy when it comes to the beverage line of the restaurant industry as well, as he has held titles like head brewer at Shipyard Brewery, and he spent some time over in California uh, studying the wine industry as well. Uh, eventually, Chef Cause found his way back to New Hampshire, and in 2014, he opened the Orchard Street Chop Shop. Chef, that's just a quick introduction. Uh, give us the big picture. Tell us your story. How did you get started in the industry, and how to, you know, what got you to where you are today? Certainly. Um, well, I, way back when, my folks owned a motel up on Lake Winnipesaukee in the middle of New Hampshire. No restaurant, but it was still the start uh, of the hospitality business back uh, when I was about three years old. So I got brought up in that. They owned that for 30 years or so. And just uh, from that point on, uh, like you said, got my first job at the um, at a camp in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, and then just uh, just grew from there. Um, but after college and culinary school, traveled a little bit. Uh, my background's in Cajun Creole cuisine, uh, a lot of Southern food. So I worked in New Orleans for a while before uh, making wine out in California, then settling down back in the Northeast again. Awesome. Um... I mean, that's a great story. Like, is there any one time in this journey that you just knew that this was a career for you? Um, it it wasn't immediate. I, I just, I think that when you are brought up in the hospitality industry, it kind of sticks in a way, whether it's uh, 
hotels, motels, restaurants. It just, and, and I think that was it. It was uh, coming up in the business. I didn't even fully know. I did it on the side going through college, but didn't fully know that this was what I wanted to do until I got to the end of uh, my my four-year uh, program at Colby Sawyer College, and I just felt I needed something else. And finally, that was when I decided that cooking, I think, was my passion and got accepted in the CIA after I uh, graduated from Colby Sawyer. Awesome. And, uh, I mean, you have such a, a cool, unique, uh, you know, background of experience between cooking. Uh, you, you spent some time in the Virgin Isles. You were out in Louisiana, California. You were uh, a head brew uh, master. Uh, I mean, what do you think having this different experience in different parts, you know, of the country and in different parts of the food and beverage industry, how does that affect your overall, you know, well, well, my opinion back then was that if I could round myself out with all these different aspects, I could finally tie it together in the restaurant business. And I thought that down the road that was my eventual goal at the CIA. But while I was at the Culinary Institute of America, I became president of the Ellen Lager Society, which was this uh, society that we brought in breweries from around the country. And from New England, I did bring in uh, the guys from shipyards. So it was about three months before I graduated. Uh, on the way out uh, of this little symposium that we did there, they said, hey, you ever thought about a career brewing? And just uh, right place at the right time, I think, awesome. and decide to go that way. So, yeah, so uh, it, it just all these different aspects tied everything together for what I wanted uh, to finally end up doing, which is owning my own restaurant. Great. Awesome. Great story. So um, we're getting to know you a little bit more. Uh, before I ask you the next question, I just want you to share with us um, your favorite quote or mantra that's either, you know, success oriented or leadership oriented. Sure. It sticks with me to this day. I had a professor at Colby Sawyer College named Tony Quinn, who's one of my three mentors in life that uh, told me one day I took a test in one of his classes. Uh, he was uh, my advisor at college, and um, I studied for days for this test, and I think I got a C on it or something. I knew I thought I was going to get an A, but I got a C. And when I went into his office to talk about it, he says, Cause, never confuse effort with accuracy. <laughs> and some people don't like that quote because they'll still say, well, you know, you try so hard, uh, you still want to try to succeed. But I think that to get to that final outcome, you really need to put together whatever plan it takes to get to that point. So I thought about it for a minute, and that's one of the quotes I live by to this day. Awesome. I love it. And it's so cool because this is one of those industries where, you know, if you have that effort, if you put the effort in, it can trump, you know, just natural-born skill. Um, it's because you have to have that endurance um, because it's such an endurance industry. So a uh, very valuable mantra and quote to live by. Okay, the first question I have for you, Chef, is about your it factor. Um, what is it about you that you think has contributed to your success? Well, this is the one thing I thought about was uh, what is the it factor. And, and after thinking about everything, the term I came up with is Social perseverance is my it factor. Um, what I mean by that is that you need to, to put this, the effort and all that into what you're doing to be able to run a successful restaurant. But the social factor is important as well in all aspects from dealing with vendors to, um, to employees to, and mainly, mainly as well your customers out front. So you really need to be able to communicate with everybody to make a successful restaurant. Oh, my God. Social perseverance. I've never heard that before. Did you just make that up? 
I, I thought about that for about an hour this morning to put everything together into the shortest phrase I could think of. You and I trademark thought, that, man. <laughs> social perseverance is, is what I came up with. That's great. I mean, well, I mean, take us to a moment where your social perseverance, uh, tell us a story about how the social perseverance contributed to, to your success. I mean, bring us down to the moment, the actual time where you were in your career and this social perseverance just, you know, took you to the next level or got you through a tough time. Can you think of anything? It, it actually opens doors up to so many different directions that uh, I think that maybe in, the, in my um, business aspect of the restaurant, when I first opened my first restaurant up, I had a Cajun Creole restaurant before I did the Orchard Street Chop Shop. And when I presented my case to the bank for the first time, um, obviously have to sit down with a number of bankers and, uh, and push and work to try to open my first restaurant. I think one of the big uh, the outcome of that was when I was done, I asked because I showed a uh, business plan to the bank that was fully incorporated all aspects of what I want to do. And I said, by the way, after they said, they saw it, said, yes, we'd like to back you on this. I said, by the way, how was that business plan? They said, this is one of the best we've ever seen. You did your homework. And uh, sometimes we get ideas on a piece of paper, and that's about it. So I think that was in the perseverance aspect. I mean, again, social being uh, you, have to, you have to deal with these the businesses, the banks, the vendors, things like that. Um, so, so that was a big one for me, and that was one of the turning points in my career. Awesome. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how this social perseverance uh, inside the restaurant, like with your staff or with your, your vendors or with your guests, how that influences your success? Well, again, um, you, you, we've, been, well, we've been in business now for over 10 years at the restaurant. So, uh, so with that, you, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle every day being able to deal with uh, every, every aspect. Um, vendors you're dealing with every day, getting prices, all the, the nitty-gritty of prices for, for food items, food costs, things like that. So the big aspect is making sure at the end of the night when everybody gets served that you walk the floor, talk to your customers, um, I think that's a big uh, added bonus to to the people who come out for dinner to be able to put a name with a face and to uh, to see who's cooking their food because then they can relate and uh, hopefully they'll come back again. I'm gonna dig deeper, Chef. Tell us about the time you went the extra mile and showed social perseverance. Tell us about a moment you interacted with a guest, like one of the the moments that stands out the most to you. Like what happened? Well, I think. Uh, <laughs> One of the best ones was uh, last summer um, I was outside. We have an outside deck, and um, while I was sitting out there for a few minutes talking to a few customers, another customer got up, and it was my night off, but I stopped in anyway, and I just wanted to greet them just to make sure they, they had known somebody came out and said hello. So while they were out on the deck, they came out, and I sat those people down, and I told them, went over the menu and all that, and I'm looking at the guy, and I said that uh, I, I just I was looking at him over and over, and I said, you know, you look familiar. You look like an author. I read some books about this guy that lives in Hampton, Dan Brown, and I said it's kind of cool because I just I like to come out and talk to people and all that. And he puts his hand out and goes, "Cause Dan Brown." <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was right there something where I'm so glad that I was able to go out to talk to these people, and that paid off because now he and I became friends. And uh, yeah, we we see him every now and then. It's uh, that was something else right there. 
That's awesome. And, you know, it's so it, whenever you can, like, you know, tie your business to somebody who has that kind of influence, too, it's always a benefit. Um, so you may have missed that opportunity if you didn't take the extra time to go out and engage their customers. So great. Example. Right, right. And that's why I talk about the social aspect is my belief there's some places that, uh, that, that the restaurant kitchen, all that, uh, will never step foot in the dining room. And I think that's an important aspect to at least either as owner, I believe, to do it or at least have that uh, front of the house person that's always there to have almost like a name to uh, a face of the restaurant to those customers. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, such great advice. Um, so we learned about you. We talked about what makes you successful. We've you know, applied your success, you know, your it factor. Let's talk about failure now. Um, you know, not everything's always the best result. Like you don't always, you know, find a success with everything you, to, you do. So take us to a moment where you had a challenge or you failed at something in your career. Well, it matters, I guess, how you see it. Um, I had my first restaurant was a place called the Crescent City Bistro. It was a Cajun Creole restaurant. Um, and it was very successful for many years. Uh, we were open for uh, a good five-year span, received a number of awards and all that. And then at the end, um, I finally had to close it due to a number of different issues. And I guess, I mean, again, it was a successful restaurant, but I do sometimes feel like I failed because I did have to finally close that restaurant down. And that came a lot from uh, – different you learn as you go and i think being my first restaurant ever um you you just you learn by your mistakes and there was some that i made there in hindsight hindsight's always 2020 i can look back and say okay well that was great but i'll never do this or that mm -hmm. again so i'm gonna try to get personal chef what were the mistakes bring us down to what it is that you did wrong and what you learned from these mistakes and how you've made yourself better because of it well, I would say the number one is if you open a small restaurant, which I would recommend to do first, not open something huge to open small. If it's wildly popular, don't expand just because you think everybody else is going to come in and want to. To if you double the size of that restaurant, you're not going to. You probably aren't going to do the double the business. Okay. Um, and and with that coming into play, there was a lot of. Uh, it was a, it was a new up and coming area that the city that we're in now, and so it was kind of on the cusp of becoming more hip and all that. But at the same time, it was that um, you 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 want to think more with your brain not your eyes, and I think that that same space that I actually used to have has seen about five restaurants go through it, and nothing has really stayed there since uh, we expanded. So that was it. Um, other things is uh, make sure you have a good uh, a good relationship with a decent uh, decent landlord because that was uh, some of the other issues where the building I'm in now, I actually purchased the building, so it makes things a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So you're saying the failure was like, trying to expand too fast with a small restaurant and um, not really, you know, getting and establishing that good relationship with your landlord. Yeah, I mean, to 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 some of it to put it to sugarcoat it a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, that that's that is um, what it is. It's the the big thing is, I mean, if you have something that works and a a uh, you're putting out a good product, you have the right space, something small that works. And all of a sudden, you have a line out the door every night. Wait off before you make the expansion into two or three times bigger because you think everybody loves you. Mm -hmm. um, and and with that as well, I mean. 
mean, I don't know if I'd ever do this again, but uh, but owning a, uh, I think owning's definitely better if you can actually do it than renting a place out. Although renting and leasing does um, have much lower costs. Uh, I just in the in the big picture, I, I'm much happier what I did these days than uh, where I was at that point. Awesome. All incredible advice. So um, now we're going to jump into the part of the interview that I, for I don't know what reason why, decided to call Knowledge Bombs. Um, and you're just going to drop some big old bombs of knowledge on us. Are you ready? Sure. Awesome. So the first question I have for you, Chef, is uh, what advice do you have for funding a restaurant? It would be a conversation for a whole evening, probably for something like this. But uh, my advice for funding a restaurant would be to try to use, and every chef will tell you probably something a little bit different. I see some that say you have to dump all your own money into it and this and that. You definitely have to come up with some of your money to put towards a new restaurant. Uh, or an existing restaurant to buy, but I keep as much as I can personal and business separate. And with that, what I mean is that um, when I first opened my first restaurant, I was able to go to a bank, get a loan for it based on a collateral that I was just able to get from uh, going into detail as a loan, and I opened that up. But once I did get the funding for the restaurant, I let the restaurant run financially on its own. Um, some of these shows you see on TV every now and then, uh, Restaurant Impossible and all that, it's funny when I sit back and listen that we've dumped our entire life savings into this restaurant and still can't make it work. If the restaurant to me doesn't work, it's not worth keeping open, I don't think, or at least to change the concept of. So mm-hmm. I think that um, one bit of uh, financial uh, piece that I can give is that definitely have a good solid business plan ready to go to whoever you're approaching to get the money to open something. Uh, make sure you have all your bases covered. Don't just walk into a bank or to a loan officer or whatever just with some ideas and throw them out. Have something solid that they can see in it. It, it definitely sells yourself a lot better. Awesome. Great advice. Uh, what advice do you have for hiring good people? Uh, well, uh, it depends on what aspect you're looking. Uh, first off, no matter what happens when I try to hire somebody new, I always ask for references. Um, before I check, if the resume even looks halfway decent, before I even email back half the time, I'm going to call the references up. A lot of times, too, what you want to do is if you see something on a resume that says work bar manager at this place from this date to this date, but had problems with ownership, so left. And typically, when you don't see the, that reference on there, I like to call that restaurant and find out why they left. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a better insight so you know you're getting the right person and all that for the job. Yeah, I mean, how would you say, um, you know, attitude versus skill, um, you know, those two things when you're looking, uh, how do you weigh those two things? There, uh, you definitely need to balance those two out. Um, when it comes, you definitely want skills. I actually, it may be a fault. I almost like to try to get the better attitude in the restaurant and then teach them those skills once they come in, depending upon what position it is inside the kitchen. But I think attitude's important. We had, um, we, when it comes to chefs in the kitchen, if people are throwing pans, things like that, mm-hmm. swearing, that doesn't last long. Uh, that, that's not what I like. I like good, positive attitudes. And that's probably first and foremost, and then we can train for what we want to do or how we want them to perform in the restaurant. Uh, such great advice, and it kind of just reminds me of you know John Taffer's book. Uh, he talks about you know raise the bar. He talks about 
you have to, uh, you, you can train anybody almost anything, but you can't teach somebody how to have a good attitude. Um, and so many people, you know, when they have job postings, they put, you know, experience required, but really how important is experience when you might have somebody who has the best attitude and, you know, is socially intelligent, um, and you just don't give them the time of day because they don't have that little bit of experience, which you can easily teach them if they have the right attitude. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's what's tough. I mean, a lot of times, even in an interview, um, you may not see that, uh, what their attitude is. Mm-hmm. Typically, a first impression does give you a good idea at the beginning, but sometimes you don't know. I had one guy who worked for me a couple of years ago that it was just such a bad attitude, like always upset, always throwing stuff and this and that, that after uh, a couple months, we just uh, we couldn't handle it anymore, and that's not the working environment that would promote the kitchen to, to move forward. So I mm-hmm. had to finally uh, make the changes to get somebody with a better attitude in, and then it, uh, it worked out in the long run. Great. So you found the person with the right attitude. They're working for you now. What advice do you have to keep that person on your team? For us, we, we were in our spot, a lower-volume restaurant, and we're not in a city where we can go all out with financial things, bonuses, and health insurance and stuff like that. So I believe what I try to do is just make the work environment as friendly as possible. Some of the ways are that if uh, people request certain days off, that's a big thing. They want consistent schedules, times, things like that. We try to work with that. Other items like concert tickets we get all the time from vendors and stuff. I always hand those out to my, my kitchen staff. Uh, my head chef was gone at a concert this past weekend. He asked me if he could go to, and I said, no problem. So he's super happy now and back and uh, refreshed. So so there's there's a lot of other little fringe benefits that you can give that don't necessarily have to be um, large financial bonuses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think it, what you, you know, it, it all comes back to that social intelligence, um, not just with your guests, uh, but, you know, also with your inner guests, your employees. Are you, uh, you know, are you, or the social perseverance, you know, are you, mm-hmm. uh, are you, taking their feelings and their lives into account i mean you have to come to terms like odds are your restaurant isn't their priority in life and uh you have to accept it and you have to be able to bend and keep them happy in their personal lives or they just they'll go someplace else they'll, they'll be unhappy so it's such great advice uh thank you for yeah sure. and and it's 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 kind of funny because being in business here at this one location now for 10 years i have an employee that's going on nine years with me and i look up and i'm like oh my god uh, these people, yeah, this is great i must be doing something right at least but i try to make it so the environment there is is positive for everybody whatever Whatever that is, I try to kind of search that out with each individual employee and see what that person's wants and needs are. And that, in the big picture, to make everybody happy, keep people around as long as we can, uh, that's, that's, that's what I strive for. Awesome. Right on, Chef. Uh, I love it all. So uh, the next question I have for you is on the topic of teamwork. So obviously this is a unit um, operation. You can't be successful in the restaurant if you don't have that unit concept. So talk to us about like what advice you have uh, to have that, that stellar teamwork in the restaurant. I think number one is I set the example by trying to actually be the most calm in the kitchen. And, and I think that every, I set the tone for what that night's going to be like. And I know that if, 
something personally or somewhere is getting and bothering me and I'm in a really bad mood, it's going to just send everybody downhill. So that doesn't help. Um, I try to, along with telling everybody else, I try to leave any personal issues and all that at home. When I get to the restaurant, we just focus on what's at hand, which is cooking. And I think my attitude, trying to keep it more positive on the busy nights and the rushes, uh, for the rush really sets the tone to make everything smooth and calm to get through. At the end of the night, we can all toast a drink and say, hey, that was awesome, and then <laughs> talk about all our issues. But uh, I just do it. We, we, I try to lead by example with that. Awesome. I think you're the first person to mention like the debrief afterwards. And, you know, when, they're, when you know, the cuckoo does hit the fan, um, it's important that you do debrief and cover what happened so you can learn something from that experience. So thank you for sharing. Uh, the, the next question yep. I have for you, Chef, is um, what is your most – you know, favorite resource in the industry, like a book or maybe it's a magazine or a website that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, if you're in the industry, the National Restaurant Association puts out a guide every year that's it's not cheap. I want to say it's probably $100, $120, but it breaks out the guidelines over the everywhere in the U.S. Um, based on different regions and all that with all your numbers, percentages, uh, things. That, now, this is on the business side of things. This isn't going to teach you how to cook or anything like that. Well, this is, but, a, this is a business podcast, so I appreciate you sharing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's the NRA's uh, industry standard report, I believe it's called, or something along those lines. And, um, and it just it gives the breakdown from there. They, they put out to all restaurateurs in the industry or part, who are members of the NRA this, uh, this monthly survey, and all that information is compiled in that. So at the end of the year, it's invaluable when you get this and you see what the trends are in the industry, what your food cost percentages are. It pretty much down to every detail what your occupancy costs are, what your um, what what all your costs of sales are, uh, labor costs, things like that, and it kind of gives you an idea so you know where you fit in there or or where you have to be. Cool, that's the first time somebody has mentioned that on the show. Uh, thanks for sharing it. Can you think of any books that you would recommend? Well, in the cooking world, for me, I mean, and this is just me personally, my southern background. Um, when it comes to if there's any cookbook I'd recommend people to own, it is Paul Prudhomme's Louisiana Kitchen. Uh, and Paul Prudhomme, uh, he's a good friend of mine from, from way back when down south and all that. And it's just the Bible of southern cooking. It explains things like ruse and all that. And you can, not just for southern, but you can apply a lot of that, uh, those items in his cookbook to modern-day New England twists and things like that as well. It just, it's a good basis. It's been around for a long time, and I recommend everybody who starts with me to read that just to give you kind of a little bit of background to southern cuisine. Awesome. I love it. Uh, thank you for sharing. And if you're interested in any of these resources, don't forget just to go to the show notes, www.restaurantunstoppable.com. 69 and you'll find all the links uh chef the next question i have for you we're going to talk a little bit about marketing now uh what are your thoughts on social media and what advice do you have in doing social media and being engaging with your customers and what platforms are you on just talk to us a little bit about that Sure. Well, social media, actually, to me, it's kind of, I, I would say it's bittersweet in today's day and age. It's a great platform for the restaurant, for our, our Facebook page and things like that. 
It also, I think today's day and age, people have such quick access to that stuff that it's, it can be both positive and negative. And what I say by that is that you have great sites, um, things like uh, Facebook we use all the time. We always post something. It's linked to your Twitter account. I think in the, in the general scheme of things right now, that's where most people go to see what's going on in restaurants. Um, we, don't, we don't do a lot of paid advertising with, uh, if any, with the newspapers, magazines, things like that, because we don't really see a really good rate of return on investment on that sort of things where social media, I mean, you can click all your friends and their friends to get you to like, and then at least everybody sees what's going on that night, and I think it goes out to more of a broader audience. Other aspects that I don't see that are, I guess they're good and bad, but some of these restaurant review sites, TripAdvisor, Yelp, things like that, can I, I take them with a grain of salt. We have friends of ours that have restaurants that get one out of five, two out of five star reviews that you can tell people haven't even, I, I mean, there's one uh, occasion that the customers didn't even go to the restaurant on another uh, friends of mine restaurant. And it came up as a one out of five star terrible. And they said we were closed that night. So I didn't know how they ended up. Yeah. So you got to take some of those with a grain of salt. Um, review sites, my brother always says to read the ones that are about three to four out of five stars because those usually tell a more accurate picture of things. Mm-hmm. But in the big picture, I, I, I don't trust those a lot of times. So I tell people if you want to go out and experience a restaurant, go do it for yourself and uh, make your own decisions based on that. Cool. All great advice. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the industry and how technology is influ- influencing the industry. Um, you know, there's new technologies coming out every day, whether it's front of house or back of house, that can help you operate more efficiently and effectively. Are there any new technologies that you are implementing at your restaurant that you can give a completely objective review on to kind of help us with filtering through what's worth our investment? Yeah, well, I mean, the free ones always help. Um, I noticed a couple listed, like, uh, it's funny, Dropbox has mentioned. Dropbox is actually, I didn't even know about that till about six or eight months ago. And it's invaluable now for me to save because what I had to, what I used to have to do is I had to carry around a little thumb drive with all my menus on it. We do a lot of functions. So if I was to change something, I have to change it at the main computer at the restaurant. I'd have to bring it home on this little thumb drive, bring it back up, change it, uh, put it on my computer, kind of, it was just a hassle going back and forth to try to do this, and then we found this, and it's great now, every, on all my devices, that's there, so if I have somebody who I pretty much walk into um, in the street and says, hey, we want to book a function with you, I can take the email and send it right now to him with all the uh, menus attached right out of my phone, so it's kind of neat in, in that respect. Um, all the staffs on our Google Calendar, so everybody has access to see all the time what the functions are coming up, uh, what's planned. Um, that's connected to our website. We have a website calendar as well, so you can see what's going on at the restaurant all the time, and I can pretty much change that on my cell phone as well. So technology does have – there's a lot of advantages, advantages to that. Um, we use Open Table now at the restaurant, and we have seen – a really good uptick with that. A lot of people are into open table. Awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing all that, you know, all those tools and services. Definitely. Dropbox is huge. Communication is huge with calendars. You want to make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, yep. And there's these tools that are there. And a lot of them, like Dropbox and Google Calendar, they're all free. So you'd be stupid yep. not to take advantage of these abilities to improve upon your communication. So uh, thanks yep. for sharing those with us. All right. So what is 
your best business advice for somebody who's getting into the industry and just looking for, you know, that one gold nugget of advice? Don't do it. <laughs> that one's been, that one's no, been used already. It's, 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 I always say that, but anybody asks me, it's funny. Um, a friend of mine came in the other day for dinner. He owns a, a hardware store, and he was like, wouldn't it be nice as I get older just to have a little coffee shop or something? I said, own the hardware store. Don't do the restaurant. Yeah. And it's, it's, I say that uh, half facetiously, but uh, it's, it's a tough business. I mean, it takes a uh, you, you really, really have to know that this is what you want to do. It takes a, it puts a strain on all aspects of your life, uh, personal and all that. I mean, you're working when everybody's not, which I think kind of it's, it's not a bad thing because when your friends are out uh, on their social time, whether it's Friday or Saturday night, they can come visit you at the restaurant and see you because that's what they're usually doing. They're going out, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but it's it's just uh, it, it's a tough business. I'd make sure that people think and rethink it before they get into it. I recommend to my staff a lot to make sure you work for somebody. Um, there's so many trials and tribulations with owning your own business. Business. Just last week alone, uh, in in five days, we had two compressors go down, and two compressors fixed is going to run over $3,000, and it, there's days where you might not do that, even in sales in a day or two, so it's, it's just, there's a lot of aspects of it that you just really have to be wary of before you get into it. Yeah, there's so many variables that come into play, and you really have to have the big picture, which is why it's so important to do things like you did, and have a business plan, and prepare as much as possible. Um, um, so I've asked all the questions in the body of the interview. Now this is your chance to tell me a question that you think may have added value to the interview. If you had to do it all over again, would you do it? And Chef, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it? It depends on day to day. I have no regrets in life for the direction I've chosen and the career path I've chosen, and I really do enjoy it. Sometimes I think based on personal strains and all that sometimes. I mean, I have a great family that supports it and everything, but there are times that I think about do I want a 9-to-5 job Monday through Friday when I can actually enjoy the rest of life and enjoy my weekends free and all that. And really, at this point, I'd say no. I like my career. I like what I chose. I wouldn't do anything else. I just, I, I sometimes, it's like uh, the big what if, but, you know, I have no regrets. I don't think what if I did something else. I mean, it, uh, it would definitely give me a different outlook on life, I'm sure, but I really, I really like what I chose, and I really enjoy this business. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today to be a guest on the show. We're going to wrap it up, and uh, we do that by giving you the chance to uh, call somebody out in the industry. Who's one person in this industry, uh, maybe somebody you know, uh, that you admire and you know, would think would, would just make an incredible contribution in addition to the show? Well, I thought about that, and there's pretty much my three mentors in my professional life were my dad, who passed away about nine years ago, but he was really behind what I've done. And then the gentleman I told you about earlier, my advisor from college, this guy, Tony Quinn, who really gave me my business background of everything. And I think probably one of the main influences as well, there's a guy that owned a restaurant. He was the chef owner of a restaurant that I worked for, did my uh, internship from the CIA for called the William Tell in Waterville Valley, and he's no longer there. He's in the 70s now, and he sold it. But he would be a guy that could give some really great insight. He uh, taught me pretty much 
probably most of what I know today about cooking. And he ran a successful business there until he sold it for, oh, geez, probably 35, 40 years or so. And so, so this guy is my mentor. I mean, I went back to the Culinary Institute of America after my internship and was doing things that that other people in the kitchen weren't doing. And not necessarily cooking and impressing, but like scraping the insides of pans down so you don't leave a bunch of sauce in the bottom. And people, some of the chefs of these classes notice that. And they're like, did you, did you learn that on your internship? And I said, yeah. And he's, the chef says, not a lot of people do that. So it's cool that you learn something. Mm-hmm. So, so he'd be a good one to definitely track down, even though he's not currently in the business. He's, he's retired. His health is 10 times better now. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he's now in a carpentry. But I can um, definitely, his name's Franz Dubach, and he's one of the best chefs I've ever worked for. Awesome. If you could put me in touch with him, I'd love to have him on the show. I'm sure we could all learn a lot from certainly. his experience. Um, all right, so give yourself a plug, Chef. How can we connect with you? Maybe there's somebody in the, the New Hampshire area that's listening to this episode now and thinks you're a rad dude and he would like to come learn from you uh how can we connect yeah um anyway uh through our website the email actually unlike most restaurants the email to the restaurant info at orchardstreetchopshop.com every email comes directly to me right to my cell phone so i do respond to that if you have questions like i say this is an industry program if you want opinions i mean even to this day uh, we all talk around here. All the chefs are good friends, most of them in the Seacoast, New Hampshire area. Um, and so we all just uh, communicate back and forth via that or Facebook. I mean, you can definitely leave messages on our Facebook page, Orchard Street Chop Shop there as well. So, yeah, anyway, and uh, I'd be happy to try to respond to all the uh, any any questions or requests or anything like that. Great. And if you're in southern New Hampshire and you're looking for a delicious, dry-aged Steak, um, you know the place to go. Chop, yep, chop. we're the we're the only restaurant in New Hampshire that dry ages our own steak in house, and uh, we just received I just received uh, my second Phantom Gourmet Hidden Jewel Award, which I'm the only chef in New Hampshire that has two right now, so it's kind of kind of exciting. Congratulations, Chef! Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to uh, contribute to this melting pot of mentors. Uh, everything you said was extremely valuable. I know I took some value from it. I'm sure the listeners at home did too. Um, and best of luck with everything in the future. Great. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for having me on. Oh, it was my pleasure. Take care. Like always, another great show here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I had a blast uh, listening to all that great advice Chef Cause had to share with us. Uh, it's no secret why he is successful over in Dover, New Hampshire, and what's going on with him and his restaurant. It's uh, all cool stuff. Um, now time for the debrief. You know, what really stood out to me, what I really liked about the show was social perseverance. I've never heard that before, and it's just such a cool way. I mean, in this industry, so much of our success is based off of our social intelligence. I really like how Chef suggested starting small when you uh, are just getting into the industry. There's no rush to be the biggest and best. Just... Focus on being the best, and if you're the best, uh, you will start pulling an audience in, and then you can start focusing on growing, but don't grow so fast that you can't keep up with the uh, liabilities that come with growth. Uh, So that was really important advice, too. I also really enjoyed his advice on teamwork. Um, You know, when you're in the heat of the moment, when things aren't going perfectly, you have to stay cool-headed as the, the leader, because if you start losing your cool... 
everyone's going to read that on that that body language, uh, you know, and they're going to start losing their cool too, and then the whole thing will just fall apart. Uh, you know, things happen. Uh, just keep your cool and uh, make sure to debrief on what happened to uh, make all those things a learning experience too. We talked a little bit about that. So that's all I have for you today. We're getting close to 40 minutes. I don't want to keep you any longer. If you want to check out anything we discussed in today's show, just head over to the show notes, www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 69. All the links to all the products and services will be right there in the notes. And I guess until next time, guys, peace out.